You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. Thank you. Happy birthday, Chris. Thank you. It's great. It's, I'm happy to be recording. Happy to be alive. What a cancer you are. I know, I know. I've, I I don't really know much about uh, signs, but I've been told that by a lot of people. And you are too. Yes, as a fellow cancer, I feel like it. The the bill fits. The bill fits. Sure, we recognize our own. What are, what are we talking about? What aren't we going to talk about? I don't know. I don't know. It's a rare thing where there's only one story in tennis, really, but it's awesome. It's so <laughs> awesome. It has jumped into literally every other conversation. I try to keep my tennis fanaticism as to myself as one could who has made their profession about right. tennis. Yeah. Uh, and I really try not to impose it on others. Right. Because um, many, many of my friends could not care less. And the amount of those friends who were texting me about this. Yes. This. This. Was right. profound. Yes. This is the thing where your friends who don't care about tennis text you to see if you have a take. Or I got one that was just like, is this a real, like, did this really happen? Because it's, so on the nose for an athlete that doesn't care about the rules. I like the consequences of not caring about the rules. Right on. It, it is a Greek tragedy. It is yes. Icarus. It is like, right. it is so allegorical that I don't know how to add to it, but I'm willing to try. Yes. Well, it's like one of those things where like, he's just so richly deserves <laughs> this for the way he acted. I mean, it's like, it's interesting because like he started off his career as a villain, right? And so... Like a jester, I would say. Like a jester. A jester, but he and Roddick, like, remember when he beat Roddick and he got booed at the Open for that? Yeah, um, because he received, I think, five medical treatments in one match. Right. I w yeah, I went back and looked at it. Afterwards, Roddick sarcastically, like, reading off the ailments that he has. He has shin splints. He has this. He, he has uh, bird flu, SARS. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> uh he has at times played the villain and i think one of the things that a lot of people and if you haven't figured out that we're talking about novak djokovic getting oh, right. after conducting what is very clearly the possibly well-intentioned but certainly worst executed public opportunity for germ spreading that has happened since the coronavirus basically has right. uh, is now under fire because he has the virus as do a number of his close confidants, his wife, which is a bummer. Like, it's not great that people are getting sick, obviously, and hopefully none of them get really ill and right. you know, in jeopardy. But, like, you could not have scripted a more obvious conclusion. If you wrote this as a fiction, fictional take, you'd be like, this is too obvious. Like, Right, because, like, he didn't believe in it, and his wife had, like, sort of a kid, like, what, what did she do with the 5G conspiracy she theory? She was sharing conspiracy theories that 5G was responsible for this, and he is noted anti-vaxxer and has had on his Instagram channel a friend of, I guess, a friend of his, somebody who's, like, a clear charlatan who's, like, telling everyone that, like, positive energy can turn water into a healing elixir. Right. I mean, I think water is, like, good for your body, but it's not gonna prevent you from getting viral like scientifically proven viruses i don't know it's just right. oh god he could not be more painful than this and then this and it's also like it's like it's it's like very tom brady tom brady has the thing about like if you drink enough water you will get sunburn and shit like that but i mean it's like there's probably a connection between his early career health problems and this right where like people said he had asthma and he constantly got injured and then he had a thing where he was like 
his trainer put a slice of bread on his stomach and he realized he had gluten issues, which I bet he did. That's a weird way to find out. Sure. Like there are simpler ways to figure out that you have gluten issues. It reminds um, me of my very brief and inexplicable forays into Scientology when I was a child because my parents were Scientologists. Wait, what, they were classical musician Scientologists? Yeah, did you not know this about me? No, I didn't. Well, I didn't know your birthday, so I guess we're even. <laughs> this is way more interesting. Birthdays happen whatever I do but they chose to be Scientologists. Yeah, I mean, if your parents are Scientologists, you're going to be a Scientologist, whatever you do, also. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, they're no longer active Scientologists, but they were. Uh-huh. And it wasn't ever, like, explained to me, like a dogma that we believed in. It was just, like, a thing that was happening. It was one of many things that were sort of inexplicable about my childhood. Having classical musician, freewheeling parents who were yeah. into drugs and kind of searchers. Yeah. You know. And then years later, I read the Lawrence Wright book which became yeah. a documentary yep good uh, documentary yeah great documentary and the book was i dare say even better because it was more exhaustive yeah that really explained things to me chief among them without going into the dogma of scientology which is bananas but more so like how this became a thing and apparently in toronto where paul haggis was who was yeah. kind of the main character of the lawrence wright book um as well as in mexico city in montreal where my parents were living it was like this cool thing to do if you were a creative. Right, right. Yeah, right. It was like, it got de-weirded by ha- being in a group of people where it wasn't weird. For them. Yeah, because like now I'm like, what the fuck? Like I, I tried to talk to my parents about it when I kind of realized that this is what it was and this is what we had been participating in. I was like, do you, did you believe this? Do you still believe this? What is this? Like, is this all those weird muscle testing things that we used to do? Which is what Djokovic's um, bread thing was. Yeah. Because they literally like ask questions of your body and then see if your body like answers yes or no by pulling on your arm. That's one of like the ways to diagnose stuff in Scientology, which I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's bananas. And so at the time, I remember being like, "All right, why not? Uh, sure. I'll take an e-meter test and hold on to a metal rod." You, you did an e-meter test many times. I didn't know what it was. I was kind of like, "All right, wow, this is amazing." Well, it would have been more amazing had I been consciously aware of what the dogma and the sort of encircle. Anyway, long story short, this stuff is bananas. And I think if you are somebody like I am, who kind of just like doesn't necessarily take authority at face value and also like has some interest in the psychology of people, uh, especially searchers, especially people who are sort of like narcissists, which I dare say many professional athletes, especially professional athletes who are succeeding in a sport that is individual yeah you probably do get into some real weird shit but what i'm interested to talk with you about and what i think we can use our forum the main draw our <laughs> beloved or at least still going podcast of <laughs> six years is to sort of not necessarily pile on Djokovic, but just try, try to like figure this the fuck yeah. out you know sure like the piling on is deserved and it's myriad everybody's yeah. doing it richly and deserve it yeah richly but at the same time like how do you even get to a point where you are so deluded you have a charity event that you think is going to sort of do something to perpetuate your ideas of unity and and putting positivity into the world and then take absolutely no precaution and then also when faced with the consequences immediately shift blame and yeah get your dad to come out and like 
shit on the one person who tested positive who was doing your charity event as a favor? Like, I know. I know. I mean, I do think like it gets back to that food shit where it's like he got injured all the time. I'm sure he had lots of doctors trying to figure it out. And then this new agey thing helped him figure it out. So he's probably was just, he's probably like normal scientists didn't help me. And like the new age stuff works better. Like remember when he was like really into like a very particular kind of honey from New Zealand. Manuka honey, which was really ahead of the time because I was re-listening to one of our episodes about him and yeah. you brought it up a couple of times and now I'm hearing it from like the women who are into goop, myself included. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Let's, yeah. put a, let's put a pin in that and get back <laughs> to it. Um, but I think, I think like that might be like the root of like this suspicion of science. Mm. Like these people tried to help like he really talks about like it transformed his career. Like he wouldn't have won anywhere near as many majors as he did because he's like, he's healthy and he is healthier. I mean, there's like no way around it. Um, he's, he's healthier. He got thinner, I think. Um, For sure. And in, in a healthier way. And the other thing is in this, I feel like maybe John Wertha and someone on another podcast brought up, like imagine how insular his team is. hundred percent. Yeah that there wasn't one dude who was like, hey, uh, I, don't want you, I don't want to note you to death, but uh, <laughs> you're putting a lot of people at risk. 100%. And I think yeah. that, that for me is the way in. I, I totally agree with you. And I think the sort of like science didn't help me. So therefore science is bunk. And what's to say, you know, my own experience is invalid because it's science couldn't explain it, but I can, and I'm sort of somehow superhuman. I think that's part of it, which is why it's kind of Greek. It's mythological at this point. It's like, I am a demigod. And the second part that I find really, really interesting is, you know, unlike, and it's hard not to make the comparison to Rafa and Roger, because I've been openly critical of both of them, and I don't think that they're perfect. And I frankly, totally, and I've said this for years, really want all three of them to retire, because I could not give a single shit about them has the most of the grand slams, what the goat is going to be and how we should measure it. And I, I find it just boring. I, I'm tired of all three of their characters. I, I wish Sanga had won that Australian open so many years ago against Djokovic because then we could have had Sanga as like a major star and maybe he would have won more. And he's such an interesting person. Like I don't go out of my way to hate Djokovic. And I, and I feel like we've actually done some work on this together, you know, but I do think like there is something different about him and the echo chamber that being in an Eastern European, very embattled and very small circle has done for him in a way that has not done him any favors. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is between the things he says and how he comports himself and how he wants to be seen because you know Federer and Nadal have like pretty active western media to contend with granted it's often fawning but it's not universally fawning and they live in multicultural multi-dynamic sort of societies where like what they say is not taken at face value we've slammed uh, in racket we've slammed Nadal for not supporting equal pay with women Roger should not be above the rules for the way he comports himself on court and has at times thrown tantrums worse than what we've seen out of the, you know, the women, which have resulted in fewer fines. And there's, there's clear bias there, but at the same time, like while these guys were calling the U S open and, and urging them to hold wheelchair tennis competitions, they didn't 
stand on grandstands or soapboxes about it and say, look at me, I'm doing the right thing, but rather just yeah. did the right thing behind the scenes. Like for the sport of tennis, this guy is, is ostensibly doing a charity event, but with absolutely no understanding that it's for coronavirus. And yet it is a, an event that will give people coronavirus because you're not being careful. So something about the myopia of his viewpoint, he is not subject to enough criticism because we can criticize him until we're blue in the face, but he must just be in such an echo chamber where the media loves him. He's talked about as a presidential candidate. He's got his close right. circle of intimates, all of them whom work for him. His parents are clearly obsessed with him. They had, as you noted, his face on their shirts for a number of years the diehard fans on Twitter defend him. And these folks are rabid. They only seem to care about tennis in the context of Novak Djokovic. I don't, I don't even know if they're tennis fans. They're just Novak Djokovic fans, which fine, but it's, it is so clearly, it's become a Trump phenomenon. It's like everybody else. And then the Novak people, it's, people. it's not. Well, I can remember that like he, for him, it was like, like I thought the most tone deaf <laughs> thing was when he was like, I can't imagine coming to the Open without my entourage. And like, we were joking that, that he was like, the, my Pomeranian has to be there. I can't compete without my Pomeranian. I mean, it was just like a step short of that. And so I, I wonder if he like relies on that as a way to like, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting because he's not like mean. He's not actively mean. You know what I mean? Like he, oh. as far as I know, like he's not, he doesn't like, I wouldn't describe him as like, a bad dude. Like there are definitely bad dudes on tour. Yeah, he's no Justin Gimelsob. He's not like a Peter Polanski or a, a Sergei Stakovsky who've like gone after like gay players or wheelchair players or you right. know the case of Justin Gimelsob, pretty much anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so he's kind of this villain, and I think one of the things that is so interesting about his villainy is he so clearly doesn't want to be a villain, right? Like right. everybody kind of suspects his motives and the 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 kind of disconnect between his on-court behavior will get really angry and sort of scream at his box, but then like do the like effusive, it's been called boob throwing, you know, the hard boob throw. sort of, yeah. you know, energy. Impersonating other players, people love yeah. that shit. Yeah. You just like, it's hard to get a sense of what, who he actually is. And by all accounts, like he's not a bad dude. I don't think like he's not yeah. a, he's not a villain, but he's seen in a villainous way. And this, this attempt to be loved, you know, is right. really hubristic. Like, it's nuts. Like, he's the player council president. He's the number one player in the world. He's undefeated this year. Yeah. He is on track to be, by the measure of Grand Slams, which we have taken to be all important, which I don't love, but whatever. He will be the person who ends up holding the most Grand Slam trophies, probably yeah. men or women. Right. Um, and yet, he could not be less embraced. And I think that kills him. Right. Well, but, and the, the, the other piece is like, this is going to just add to that because he did kind of get out from under the hardcore villainy. Like he wasn't getting booed for bouncing the ball for too long or too many medical breaks. Like he had gotten out from under it by and large. Yeah. And this is going to put him right back in there. Um, I think he might be kicked off the player council. Wow. Wow. Do, do you think he's put the open in da more danger of not 100%, happening? 100%. Yeah. Right, because now if they do it and it goes wrong, they could be like, how could you not know that? We saw this coming. Exactly. Yeah. And like, again, there is tennis right now and it is largely, from what we can tell, being conducted responsibly. Like the yeah. Mortagolo, um exhibition, which yeah. actually was pretty fun. Like I really enjoyed watching it. Um, they, they messed with the format. The scoring was fast. No 
like you had a shot clock for your serve. So like you actually right. had to like keep the points going. These guys were winded. Like it was cool to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but more importantly, testing beforehand, daily fever checks. They, people stayed on the, their same side of the net, no ball boys, no towel boys or girls, no, you know, yeah. um, no touching umpires and everybody in, in masks. Like tennis is good for social distancing. You just have to like not be a dick and invite fans and have them and then take your shirt off and do like limbo content. I mean, it's just like in the face of just like an insane amount of, of neglect that went into this. And so, yeah, I think he has jeopardized us open. And I think more than anything else, like from a, from a personal viewpoint, if you're this guy and you're the number one player in the world and the president of the players council, and you make a bunch of calls, which is what he did and say, Hey, I want to host my own labor cup, which is what he told people. Wow. Will you come? And he got all these players to come. And he got a good field. He got Zverev. He got team. He got Grigor Dimitrov, among others, to come play this thing. And they were told that they would be safe. And they were told that they would be, they would be observing protocols, which they didn't do. And you're doing it as a favor to this guy who's raising money for his charity. I mean, you could argue for his own aggrandizement, but let's be generous and say it's only for, for benevolent reasons. You go and do this thing. And then the minute it looks like he is under scrutiny or to blame, He's throwing the players who were doing him a favor by throwing them under the bus by saying that they brought the virus. Like Dimitrov was the first person to get tested. He wasn't the first person to have coronavirus. He came healthy to this thing. He got it there. And the fact that Djokovic's family, family, his dad is saying Dimitrov is like coming and bringing some dirty virus into pure clean Serbia. It's hard not to see some nationalism there. It's hard not to see some like xenophobia there. It's hard not to see some kind of like very weird prejudices there but it's also like from a from a player pr perspective is if oh, this yeah. is your player rep this is your guy who's gonna like the second things get tough throw you under the bus like yeah. why should you be in a position of leadership why does he want to be i can't yeah. figure that out is it to make tennis better or is it this weird quest for adoration that he feels owed and if you didn't have reasons to ask the question before, and I did, but it got exhausting because you try to ask them and then everybody on Twitter who was a Novak fan would be like, you're a biased journalist. It's like, no, I'm actually asking questions because I think this is interesting and he's getting as much scrutiny as anybody else would. Now you have to ask the questions and right. I can't imagine defending him uh, yeah. about this and, and, and yet people will because he commands this fan base of people who are you know, it's not a stretch to call them Trumpian. Like they're living in a different sort of reality where, you know, fanship has taken their, their critical thinking skills and, and made them abandon them. So it's just like, I I don't know how the U S open doesn't adjust to this, if not really reconsider, but also I think he'll, he'll get kicked off the players council, which he should, he's not a good leader. He's not accomplished much. He kicked out the old CEO and he's been vocal against equal pay. And now he's jeopardizing literally the health and safety of the players. So right. it's kind of like, what, to what end, you know? Yeah, I mean, if the conclusion ends up being that, he, that this contributed to canceling or radically altering the Open, then I think it's going to be, I mean, definitely the Players Council then, but then also just be a huge uh, PR thing that he'll never totally get out from under. Yeah, yeah. people realize, I think people have realized that like tennis is players it's recreational players it's wheelchair players it's legends players it's junior players it's broadcast professionals it's journalists it's league federation president you know like it's an entire ecosystem and every one of these people has been either out of work furloughed or had their roles radically altered and that's not any one person's fault i mean that's the reality of the situation in many many industries but 
you know, with the promise of tennis being one of the safer quote unquote sports that could possibly be held in a way that could be, could be respectfully and held with integrity in a way that would, you know, sort of potentially, you know, add something a little positive to the world. Like it'd be real bummer if for this reason it didn't get to go on. Like a lot of people are really upset that the U S open is happening or at least it plans to happen now. I'm not one of them, but I also, you know, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I can see the other side of it for sure. But I yeah. think definitely now, you know, if something goes wrong, they, they are really effed. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how you come back from this if you're him. I mean, if this costs us the opportunity to see the best players in the world have to go dig their ball out of the net yes. after a double as <laughs> with no ball boys, that was that <laughs> it would be, I'd be heartbroken for missing that alone. They you know what I mean? over to the side and pick up their own towels from the right ground. exactly and like when someone like shanks it and it goes all the way over to the to, to, to the side of the court you kind of roll your eyes like oh jesus i gotta go all the way over there do you think if they have a like a match on arthur ash without fans and like somebody shanks it into the stands like somebody will have to like leap over the fence and like go and run and get it the way that we do? It, exactly i mean i think that like i hope that um that the players themselves have have to go get that like like when you sky a ball and it goes over the fence and you have to run eight courts down because that's the only opening totally. is like that door yeah <laughs> when when well, we were in high school we would jump we would jump the fence because sure. it was so annoying to run all the way down there yeah oh, for sure or like yeah. it goes into like i play on the east river courts or like goes yeah. in the river you know right, <laughs> right. exactly yeah the doll like fishing out a ball from the water and like with his bob a lot you know i mean it would uh, that would be great but i mean it would really fuck Nadal up i bet because he can't keep his like straight on this is what i do all the time on the court. i want to see an adult an already ocd probably undiagnosed like you know some serious stuff going on there uh clean freak and order freak have to deal with even more variables like no ball kids and no towels being held right. like it's gonna be fascinating to watch exactly right. right 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 i mean he'll like probably he'll probably get through it but he'll probably be even more visibly annoyed just just intentionally like, chipping it like a golf shot into the corner so oh. he has to run over and get it and it's like impossible for him not to step on the line as he goes oh, over God. there <laughs> what a beautiful thing i hope you haven't denied this from us novak Djokovic. yeah um, all right well i'm glad well, we recorded this emergency slash birthday episode of the main draw because if the world needed to hear from us at any time it's that now time- <laughs>